How can so. you drink punch if you don't have a head? Through the esophagus. You're right. You're right. You wouldn't taste it, but it would be there. You're right. Good day and good evening. And good night. Good night. Welcome. Welcome, welcome to the Insomnia Report episode 48. Woo! Ooh. It's a math episode because four plus four is eight. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> if this is your first time listening, welcome. If you have listened before, welcome back. We're so happy to have you. Thanks for listening. I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. And we are the two friends and roommates that like to talk about the things that keep us up at night. night. We got a wild card for ya. Yay. And it shall be, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so. It will be wild. Uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> it will be a good time. Yeah. I'm gonna light the candle. Would you like to tell me about your week? I, I've been seeing a lot of the memes about the Zodiac Killer. Yes, let's talk about it. I'm just, oh my god. <laughs> so I read a thread that um, it was this investigator who had worked with the guy who led the investigation into the Zodiac Killer. Okay. Um, who The group that says that they have solved the case. And this guy said that he doesn't actually believe that they have found credible evidence oh. that they actually found the guy because in past investigations the lead I, I could just be messing this up but the guy who led the group who he's worked with before has been very adamant in other cases trying to like pin it on certain people where there wasn't any evidence oh. and things like that whether or not they actually found the Zodiac Killer. The memes are really funny. No disrespect <laughs> to the victims of the Zodiac Killer, of course, but have you seen the comment on the IMDb of the... No, I haven't. I haven't been on oh, any. Oh, let me... Okay. Let me show yeah. you. Like, God works hard, <laughs> but the internet works harder. I'm, I love it. So, of course, as soon as people found out about this, they started digging up whatever they could on this guy sure his name is gary allegedly yes gary i guess that's why he, he named himself the zodiac because gary's not a very threatening name <laughs> so um, no offense to anyone um, named gary i don't know if this is imdb or what i'm not super familiar with film rating website sorry but Rotten Tomatoes? That movie, The Hunt for Ted Bundy uh-huh. from 2015, Gary commented on it in December 2016 and gave it one out of ten stars and said, awful, would give less than one star if I could. Ted Bundy is wildly overrated. <laughs> and then someone said, the Zodiac Killer being a film bro and roasting other serial killers is beyond comedy. <laughs> <laughs> that is, you can't write that. And, and I, I like this one too. It's like the cipher. And my name is Carrie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Uh, mm. I love it. What are your thoughts on the Zodiac? Um, 
Well, I found out because I was in a, a meeting and I was speaking to someone and I get all these pings because I have a, a group chat with some of my work friends, as we all do. Of course. Well, I think they're my work friends. I think they're all annoyed with me and just have to work with me. And oh, I mean, I can't tell because I never see them face to face, so I can't really read it. And in text, I always think people are mad, even if they're not. <laughs> anyway, I'm working on it. I'm just like I'm in this meeting, trying to like pay attention and trying to speak or whatever. And like I get this group chat is blowing up, and I see someone say, "I feel like Margot would really appreciate this." And someone's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it!" And it's like, "Oh my god, he died in 2018." I'm like, "What are we talking about?" And I'm like, "Okay, I gotta go." <laughs> and then my coworker was like, "Margot, they got that because they they know I'm obsessed with true crime and all weird things." So yeah, that's how I found out about it. And I'm like, I want to take it the rest of the day as a sick day because I want to read up on what's going on. But I haven't had a chance to dive in. Mm -hmm. uh i just know that they think they found it based on dna mm -hmm. and you know it happened in the late 50s 60s like maybe the 70s and the fact that it's gone on so long i, I was starting to think it was like there's no way so mm -hmm. i don't have an opinion yet i need to get more educated imagine that <laughs> imagine that <laughs> that's fair um, that's fair i hope they caught him but you know i hope so but Okay, this is my only – I'll probably edit this out because I don't want to okay. make anyone mad. But if it really was him, I'd be pissed if he did die in 2018 because right. then it's like you, you can't really get the full justice of it yeah. or hear the perspective or like – I I feel like that would be like, oh, so close. Yeah, that would be disappointing. Like, no. Mm, get like, away with it for so long. I know. And like doesn't even have like the satisfaction of like – I don't know, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I want him to be caught and be like, F you, you mm -hmm. know, like, mm -hmm. go to jail. Goodbye. I right. don't know. I don't know. I don't it, it just feels like, dang it. Yeah. But I, know. I mean, great if they really did, but I don't know. Who yeah. knows? Who's to say? I know. It's horrible. We'll cover it eventually. Yeah. We, we shall. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Oh, what else did I do this week? I had a stressful day at work on Monday. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mondays are the worst. It's okay. It was really bad. It was really bad, but we we got through it, and um, and I went to the physical therapist today, and he fixed my neck. Good. Well, not in one session, but. Yeah, it was funny because he was asking me to, like, turn my head certain ways to see how far I could move it. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ooh. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I had a doctor do that once. They were looking at an x-ray I oh, had done. No. And they're like, wow, that's weird. I'm like, that's something you should not say when we're in the same room. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> like, what? Uh, how was your week? Well, you know, Mercury's in retrograde. Oh, my God. I know. It's really getting me this time, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like you and I are just having, like, <laughs> life thrown at every direction. You know, the weather report called for sunny and nice, and then we walk outside and we get swept away by a monsoon, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just one of those weeks. Yeah. Uh, just, blah, blah, blah. you mm -hmm. know, same story, different day, but. Yeah. Uh, I want to say thanks again for the cake. Oh, 
yeah. As you guys heard in our last episode, Marco got us a cake for our one-year anniversary. It's a podcast. We had a great birthday celebration. We had cake. We had champagne out of little skull glasses. That was great. That I found at the store, and they were purple, which is our, our podcast cover color. Yes. And we watched Ghost Adventures. And it was nice. It was a good birthday. It was low-key, you know? Yeah, very chill. <sighs> okay. All right. Wow me. All right. Well, today I will be telling you a tale that has been passed down for centuries and is known as America's first ghost story. (gasps) I will be sharing Washington Irving's legend of Sleepy Hollow. Ooh. It was written in 1820 and was first published in his collection of short stories, which was titled The Sketchbook. And it's 201 years old. Wow. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Sleepy Hollow. So to set the scene, the story takes place shortly after the Revolutionary War in 1790. We meet one of our male leads, Ichabod Crane. God, I love that name. I'm going to name my child Ichabod. You would. I'm honestly surprised (laughs) some of our plants or your sourdough isn't named Ichabod. Maybe I'll get a fish and name it Ichabod. Anyway, go on. I can just imagine your kid's first day of like kindergarten. It's like Jessica, Sarah, Rebecca, Matthew, Samuel, Ichabod. (laughs) We call him Icky for short. Icky. No, that sounds abusive. Icky. I'm not going to do that. Icky dicky. Okay. No, I like it. So Ichabod was a native from Connecticut who takes on a job as a school teacher for the town of Sleepy Hollow, which is a Dutch settlement of historical Terrytown, New York. Ichabod is described as a tall, lanky, and awkward man. He's intelligent, he loves to sing and dance, and he's proud of his vocal voice. And he's kind of a snob, and he just expects the best in life, and he really loves the the finer things, you know? Mm. So to quote the story directly, Ichabod is described as follows. He was tall but exceedingly lank, with narrow shoulders, long arms and legs, hands that dangled a mile out of his sleeves, feet that might have served for shovels, and his whole frame most loosely hung together. His head was small and flat on top, with huge ears, large green glassy eyes, a large snipe nose, so that it looked like a weathercock perched upon his spindle neck to tell which way the wind blew. To see him striding along the profile of the hill on a windy day with his clothes bagging and fluttering about him, one might have mistaken him for the genius of famine descending upon the earth or some scarecrow eloped from a cornfield. So, just this really lanky... (laughs) I just imagine him being like a person really stretched out. Yeah. I've never seen the Disney version of it. I saw, like, previews for it before I watched, like, Winnie the Pooh or whatever, but mm. it was from, I think, 1949. Mm. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen it either. It's on Disney Plus if we ever want to watch it, but I feel like it's probably not PC anymore. Anyway, so lanky dude, kind of awkward, and he moves to this, like, little farm town, you know? He is fascinated by the supernatural and all things mysterious. He is pretty easily influenced and maybe a little gullible. 
Yet he is someone who, despite being absolutely fascinated by scary things, he's a bit of a coward, and he'd be afraid of his own shadow, which can relate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's like, oh my God, it's so creepy. And then it's like, what was that? <laughs> um, which is Elizabeth and I, every time we watch any scary show on TV, we're like, oh my God, idiot. Like, you're so annoying. But it's like, <laughs> meanwhile, we have to go to the basement together. Yeah. We're Anyway, if, you, if you've ever been in our basement, you'd know. As school teachers did at the time, he would go live at different homes and, you know, made good company to the locals. Back then, teachers didn't really make enough money to have a house, so he would live at different people's homes. Well, that's nice of them. Until the 20th century or something. The Dutch mothers really like Ichabod because he was good with children, He and he also tried to make himself useful. His job didn't pay very well, so he also took on odd jobs here and there so he could, like, actually enjoy certain things like, you know, getting more food or or saving up. So he would work to assist different farmers with light labor because, you know, he's tall and lanky. He can't, you know, he's not strong like an ox. Mm -hmm. So he would gather hay or get the horses water. He would cut wood. He would bring cows you know, from the pasture, you know, different farm things. However, Ichabod had a taste for the finer things, as as I had mentioned, and he didn't really like the hard labor, and he thought he was, like, more deserving and qualified of things more suited for him, or at least what he considered more suited. He's like, I'm not a, I'm not a farm boy. I'm, mm. I'm like a, I'm a city guy, you know? He came from the big city, and he's like, yeah. I'll take this job, fine. So... He found a way to kind of cut out of the labor, and then he started teaching singing lessons. So he made friends with the local women. They thought he was a kind, gentleman person. He'd stick around and have tea. He'd pick up all the hot goss, and then, (laughs) you know, he would go house to house, and he would, like, eat pastries with them and be like, oh, my God, you would not believe what Linda said today. (laughs) I love that. He, he was basically one of the girls. He was part of the girl gang. And then he started eventually teaching at the church choir and, you know, becoming one of, one of the girls. As mentioned, he was very superstitious, and he even carried around his favorite book with him, which was History of New England Witchcraft by Cotton Mather. Oh, hey, I have yeah. that book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who knew? But... Going back to the Salem trials. So that was like his favorite book. And Ichabod was a firm believer in witchcraft and all things paranormal. And he was in luck because the residents of Sleepy Hollow shared the same superstitious beliefs. They all thought the town was bewitched. There was various folk tales of haunted spots, twilight superstitions, strange sights, or even hearing music or voices in the air at night. And he loved hearing these different tales that the woman would share, like of ghosts, ghouls, witches, things that go bump in the night. They would talk about haunted fields, haunted brooks, haunted bridges, haunted houses. Like, it's haunted. You got it. It's like a surplus of spooky. (laughs) (laughs) And he loved it all. But, you know, he was was still a coward. So he'd like talk, 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 talk all afternoon. And then it'd be nighttime. And he was like, oh, crap. Now I got to walk home. (laughs) So... You know, there was one tale that took them all, and it was the legend of the Headless Horseman, or the Galloping Hessian of the Hollow. 
Legend has it that during the last week of October in 1776, at the Battle of White Plains between the American and the British, a Hessian was decapitated by a cannonball. Oh. And a Hessian was a German soldier who fought alongside the British during the Revolutionary War, and they were known to be quite... Uh, what's what's the word? Not savage, but like tenacious. They were mercenaries, right? I think or so. something like that. So they were kind of just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They were they're pretty like feared and like mm-hmm. vicious. They were brutal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, so they were pretty, you know, well known for being kind of feared and like, you know, if you were in their way, they would be like, all right, no. Gonna get you. So he was, uh, there was this one guy who was decapitated by a cannonball, and I bet that would be a pretty awful way to die, but oh it, I, I bet it'd be quick. I, ho- I would hope so. I would hope so. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> the head was basically obliterated, as you can imagine, and his comrades like buried his body in the old Dutch church cemetery in Sleepy Hollow. So the soldier remains as a malevolent spirit, seeking his lost head. Or looking to take someone else's to replace it. Which makes me think of a ure. You know, they have un- unsettled mm. business, so mm-hmm. they're going to haunt until they find it. Where's me head? What? Where's me head? <laughs> so Ichabod hearing this was like, holy cow, curl. Like, take a step back. That's some spooky, <laughs> spooky stuff. That's a That's a spooky tale you've got there. And all the women were like, no, like Ichabod, this one's real. Okay, so the ghost rider's common haunt is the church graveyard or the old church road looking for his head. So that residual, like he's he's searching for Mm -hmm. where it was lost, but it was, you know, basically put into a million pieces. So good luck. So he's never going to find it. Can you just imagine him with like a hot glue gun, like Uh. just slowly piecing? He's like, I'm missing three pieces. (laughs) Oh, wow. So Ichabod's like, I'm going to take note of that because I don't like it. I don't I don't want to see this guy. So one day, a couple of weeks later, or maybe a couple of days later, who's to say, they're at church choir practice. And Ichabod meets a woman who takes his breath away. Oh. He's like bewitched by her, if you will. Mm. And he sets his eyes on Katrina Van Tassel, a young woman who is described in the book as follows. She was a blooming lass of fresh 18. Okay. Never, How old was he? I don't... Never, never determined, <laughs> but at least she was of age Okay, this okay. time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Edgar. Were they related? God, I hope not. <laughs> I'd rather... Oh. She was plump as a partridge. Okay. Uh, ripe. Stop. Stop. She's not a she's not a pig. Like, ooh, this is a plump. She was ripe and melting and rosy cheeked as one of her father's peaches. Whatever the fuck that means, but I think he meant she's pretty. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Uh, She had curves, you know. She had like this long, curly brown hair. She was curvy. She wasn't like a little Okay. You know, he was like, oh wow. Okay. I like this one. And Ichabod was very smitten with her. She was beautiful. She was well-dressed. She was funny and kind. And in an attempt to get to know her, Ichabod says, hey, you know what? Like, 
do you want to take some private voice lessons? Like, I could teach you. And she was like, are you saying I'm a bad singer? (laughs) Like, what are you trying to say, Ichabod? (laughs) But she was, like, playfully joking. And he's like, ha, 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 she loves me. (laughs) So she was like, okay, you know what? Come over on Wednesday at 5. Like, we'll, we'll do a little voice lesson. So the week drags on for him. He's like, you know, in his classroom teaching kids. And he's like, yeah, two plus two is four. Okay, but like class dismiss. I want to <laughs> I want to go to my lesson. So he gets to the Van Tassel home and he falls in love all over again because he finds out Katrina is actually an heiress. Oh. And her daddy is the richest farmer in Sleepy Hollow. Oh, So he's man. like, okay, so this this – Ripe little peach can be my sugar mama. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, why not? You know. So instead of like the heart emoji, he has dollar sign (laughs) emoji that are heart shaped. Like he was like, oh, now I don't know why I'm in love, but I'm in love. And he starts to think like, oh my god, if we get married, I'd be living the life I've always wanted, and everything will be great. Their home was beautiful. Their land was lush and vast. They had all the best farm animals you could imagine. They had really high tech. I say that with an eye roll and like what a plow (laughs) and a mule. But like they had high tech farm equipment. Their home had high ceilings, mahogany furniture, Mm. silver serving dishes, the finest china, in unit washer dryer like everything you could need he was like oh oh my god meanwhile i'm living in some guy's barn mm-hmm. because i wash his horse you know like right it's like i i want this mm-hmm. right away he starts fascinating about the life they could have together like the luxuries all the food they'd eat it was said in the book that even though he was like super skinny and lanky he could eat anything Mm. and they like referred to him as an anaconda like just like you know unhinge and just like swallow everything (laughs) it literally said that i'm like really okay (laughs) okay men uh men (laughs) but he was basically like oh my god like i'm gonna sell these pigs and i'd buy so much stuff with it and and like we'd have wonderful feasts at christmas and our children will be great and he's hearing wedding bells and everything. And she's like, so what about my voice lesson? <laughs> it's like, Ichabod. <laughs> so whether or not he fell in love with her or her father's money is up for debate. But still, he he was in love. Or so he, you know, mm-hmm. he thought he was mm-hmm. in love. So naturally, this lanky newcomer was not the only one who was after Katrina. Because that would be too easy. Mm-hmm. So there was this man named Abraham who was known around town as Brom Bones. Like, that was his nickname. Brom. Brom Bones. Brom Bones. It sounds like trombone. Oh, it does. Womp, <laughs> He was kind of like the Gaston of Sleepy Hollow. Oh. <laughs> he was the local hero. He was strong. He Ichabod described him as having like a Hercules figure, broad shoulders. He had short curly black hair. He was a very skilled horseman, a good hunter. Basically, the polar opposite of Ichabod. Oh, like Ichabod was the brains. This guy was the bronze. You know, Chad. Chad. He was basically the Revolutionary War varsity jock. Mm. You know. <laughs> 
the the yeah. frat boy that's just like chugging a beer, smashing it on his head, and be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like football. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. yeah he had like two or three little henchmen naturally that like drooled over him he was charming he had a good sense of humor but you know like typical knucklehead him and his crew would go around and people would shout hey there goes brom bones and his gang like actual quote from the book <laughs> like hey. hey and the townsfolk would look at him with a mixture of quote ah admiration and goodwill so everyone liked this guy mm-hmm. and it was like one of those people that you have no reason to really not like them, but you you don't. Maybe it's because Ichabod was intimidated, mm-hmm. and he was kind of like, Psh, jock. Yeah. Like, that's not going to get you. I, I understand that. You know? Mm-hmm. So, Brom and his gang liked to play pranks. They goofed around. They basically have a lot of typical... They were just radiating testosterone, you know, and mm-hmm. just, like, masculine, like, fueling their manly fun things, you know? Like, yeah. just, like, and that's stereotypical, and I'm sorry, but that's, like, basically the revolutionary Chad. Yeah, right. Um, Most men in town knew not to go after Katrina because, like, Bron was, like, she's mine, and no one would cross Bron, you know? Like, why would they do that? Right. He was this big, handsome, muscular prankster and he typically would be good at intimidating anyone away like no one even messed but Ichabon was determined to stand his ground and he was like you know what Ichabon like you're smart you can sing people like you you're capable of love and he like gave him this self-talk every day and Ichabon saw bones for like he's this jerk like Katrina like should not be with this this jerk he's just like a a cotton head and ninny mugging, you know, like he has nothing to offer except his muscles and looks will fade or, or something. I don't know like what he said, but right. something he was he was very heated. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't like this guy. So Bones and his gang would try to embarrass Igabon whenever he was around Katrina. Oh. Bones somehow taught a dog to follow Igabon around and like howl in a very ludicrous manner. Just nonstop, whether oh he was God. given vocal lessons or in classroom, like when the windows were open and this dog would just behind, like howl, which Come is on. actually kind of funny. <laughs> it is. It, I'll give him that. Okay. So tw- 20 years ago, who did we fight? <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone know our cat? <laughs> One day, Bones broke into the schoolhouse and he turned all the furniture upside down and Ichabon, being the superstitious man he was, thought witches had their meetings in there. He was like, oh. oh my God, like this is some poltergeist shit. What's the witches? So he stayed up all night turning the furniture over because he's like, the, the children can't see this. They'd be terrified. And how would I explain it? One day when Ichabon was teaching, he got a visitor. And this man worked at Katrina's estate mm-hmm. and hand-delivered a letter and this letter was cordially inviting Ichabon to the harvest party Ooh. at the Van Tassel's house and it was signed from Katrina. So <gasps> Katrina had personally sent this worker over to the schoolhouse to hand deliver 
an invite like that if that doesn't say i love you i don't know what does right like in, in of course 1790 standards right like I'm, I'm surprised they're not married already they've met like twice you know I mean, it's, like yeah it's kind of slow <laughs> <laughs> what y'all waiting for so he was so giddy for the rest of the day and he like dismissed class early he's like all of you go home and they're like but it's noon and he's like go home <laughs> So he ran back to where he was staying. He washed his face. Um, he washed his face. He shaved. He put on his best and only suit, making sure that he looked hella fly at yes. this at this harvest ball. But then his heart sank because he realized, like, oh my god, Brahm is gonna arrive in style on horseback, and I have to walk there like a peasant. Mm. So Ichabon asked this man named Hans van Ripper, which. <laughs> Lots of Germans in this town, huh? Well, it's a Dutch community. Oh, right. So Hans van Ripper was the man who owned the farm where Ichabon was currently staying. Mm -hmm. And he was like, can I please borrow one of your cars? Can I borrow a hot ride? And Van Ripper was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to give you my best horse. His name's Gunpowder. And Ichabon was like, oh, my God, thank you. You're the best. You're saving me. Now I'm going to impress Katrina and I'm going to ride off into the sunset with gunpowder and he opens the stable door expecting to see this like wonderful steed because you know van ripper was like oh my god it's my best horse mm -hmm. he works on a farm it was it was a plow horse it, oh. it wasn't like a you know show horse or anything and it was like a really old horse mm -hmm. that was just kind of like not having it Mm -hmm. uh Ichabon was like he's glaring at me like why is this horse <laughs> glaring at me and it's like no that's just Aww. his face he's he's just old and tired Goodbye. um but you know what Ichabod was like all right gunpowder like let's go gotta gotta go get me my woman because Ichabod was so tall and lanky when he was sitting on the saddle the stirrups were too short and essentially he rode with like his knees pointing out <laughs> and his arms were to the side and it said he resembled a grasshopper oh that's cute uh, so he gets to the party and it's like a dream come true. There's so much food everywhere, like all the pastries and, and, you know, dishes you could imagine all decked out for harvest. Everyone is poshed. Katrina is as beautiful as ever. And he's like, you know, Katrina, I may be a great singer, but I'm an even better dancer. And they just dance the night away. Like, I don't know what dancing in the in the 18th century was like but you know i can't i don't know but don't apparently know. they danced and danced and you know the band decides to take a break and they are like sweaty and Ichabod's like wiping sweat off her brow and katrina's like you know flushed and she's like i'm gonna go get myself some like porridge or mold <laughs> cider or something so she excuses herself and ichabod then leaves to go get some air and smoke his pipe on the porch on the porch all of the men of the party because why would they be dancing they are all out there exchanging ghost stories because mm. that's what this town does that's what men do that's what men do they're talking about different ghosts and ghouls and haunted bridges and brooks and whatever you know all those haunted things and then this man it's like on the porch and Ichabon's like, where did you come from? And this man has like one eye that is milky white and then the other one is like black. And he's like, who the, who's this guy? Like who invited him? And he's like, but what about the headless horseman? <laughs> and everyone like 
all the men break out in debate. Half of them are like, he's not real. Like, you guys need to forget about him. And half of the men are like, oh, my God, he is real. Don't say that. And there's this heated debate going on. And some men are telling tales about their personal encounters, about like, I saw him lurking around this one field, and I saw him at this tree, and I saw him in the flash of lightning, and then he was gone, and all these people are going off. And then, of course, Brom steps in, and he's like, guys, he is real. But he's like, not that tough. He's actually an arrogant jock. And then Brom says, apparently, he like challenged the horseman, was like, ayo, headless. I will race you for a bowl of punch. And apparently the headless horseman was like bet, but probably like telepathically because he Mm. didn't have a head. So they're racing, you know, Brom, Mm. the two jocks, Mm -hmm. the headless jock and the jockey jock (laughs) are are racing and Brom is going on. And he's like, you know what? I would have won. But just as I was about to cross the bridge to the church, making the finish line, the headless horseman vanished in a flash of fire. And everyone's like, oh, my God, Bron, like, you're so brave. (laughs) And apparently the Headless Horseman could not cross the river for, like, whatever reason. Mm. I don't know if it was because it was, like, water and it was a restricted – like, I've never been a ghost. I don't know. This goes on and on and the men talk and talk. And then, like, eventually the party dies out. People are starting to leave. But Ichabod had planned the whole time to stay behind so he can have a moment alone with Katrina. Mm. And he finds her and they're talking, like, hey, great party. And then it was like, yeah, you can really dance. And then he's like, great punch. Anyway, I don't know. And he confesses his love to her. Oh, He's like, Katrina, I've known you for three days. <laughs> and I love you so much. I am so in love. Will you marry me? Wow. And she says, she giggles. And he's like, oh, my God, she doesn't know what to say. And she goes, wait, are you serious? <gasps> no. <laughs> and he goes, well, of course I'm serious. And she goes, Dude, you're drunk and I hardly know you. Like, probably not. Yeah. I don't know, but. (laughs) Thou bist. uh, Thou art. Thou art hammered. (laughs) Ichabod actually doesn't say what went wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't go into detail, but he basically goes on this rant like, oh my god, like, woman, like, how could she pick a jock over me? Like, I don't understand. Like, he basically gets in a a tizzy about it. He basically was, like, rejected and was not taking it very well. And I feel bad. But it's also, like, you have known her for two days. Yeah. And Brom has known her, like, he's... A lot. You know, I don't know. But don't give up, man. But if she says no, like, don't persist because that's harassment. Okay. So, he leaves. His heart is heavy and he's crestfallen. So, he gets on gunpowder and they make their way back. And he's, like, you know, first he's, like, really upset because, you know, it, it hurts to be rejected. Of course. And he's making his journey back. And then, like, you know, he's starting to realize, like, all the the words of the men's stories are, like, floating through his head. And, all like, he can see their faces. He's like, and then I saw the tree. And then I saw the flat. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm alone. And I'm, like, by the area where the haunted horseman is. Oh, and no. I just got dumped. This is the worst day ever. So he's, like, super on edge. To calm his nerves, and this is something he often did, he would hum or sing or whistle different church hymns, Mm -hmm. but he was, like, so scared that he was just, like, you know, humming to himself because he didn't want to, like, you know, start belting out. Mm -hmm. I guess he could have, but he was too scared to. Up ahead, to his horror, he sees 
a rider, like a cloaked figure, like up ahead. And he's like, okay, you know what? Maybe they were leaving the party, you know, whatever. And then he realizes the rider's like not moving. So Ichabod calls out to the rider and he doesn't hear a response. So then he goes, hey, who are, who are you? Hello? He can tell the rider heard him, but he doesn't say anything. He's like, well, that's mm. ominous. So he starts to, you know, he he does the leg thing mm-hmm. to, to make, like, you know, like the horse to get gunpowder to go. He's mm-hmm. like, all right, gunpowder. Ichabod starts to, like, pass where he sees the rider, and the rider then starts to ride alongside him but at a distance so he's like following creepy so then ichabod is like all right gunpowder like Mm -hmm. pick up the pace come on man and the other rider moves to match the pace oh my god so he's like i don't like this i want to i want to go home (laughs) and he notices that the rider is on a large dark horse and although it's a moonless night he can tell both the rider and the horse are huge Mm. ichabod signals for gunpowder to quicken his pace as before the rider the stranger had his horse match the speed so ichabod then has the courage to look over at the rider who's getting closer and he realizes the rider did not have a head (gasps) on his shoulders Instead, his head was carried on his saddle. So he did find his head. I guess. Oh. <laughs> well, um, you can't reattach it, I guess. I guess. Oh. Oh. I missed that. That oh. totally went over my head. <laughs> <laughs> Don't kill me. Okay. So Ichabod tries to get gunpowder to go faster. She's like, I am not kidding you, horse. Like, you need to go. But he's not a skilled rider. And gunpowder resents him and he doesn't listen and it's like stupid horse can't you tell like this this corpse is like after us like what are you what are you doing and they're approaching the bridge and ichabod's just like oh my god like i i'm so close I, if i can cross the bridge i will be okay you know he's riding he's sweating he's so scared and he remembers the stories like all he has to do is cross the bridge the horseman cannot dis- like well he'll disappear because he cannot cross the bridge so Ichabod looks back, and instead of disappearing, the horseman hurled his detached head at him oh. and knocks Ichabod off of gunpowder. Oh, my God. The next morning, the farmer Van Ripper finds gunpowder, but Ichabod is nowhere to be found. So he feels uneasy by this, and he's like, okay, you know what? Maybe he went to go take a walk. Maybe, like, you know, he didn't properly tie up gunpowder when he got home. So breakfast rolls by, lunch rolls by. He doesn't, Ichabod doesn't show up. And he's like, okay, uh, what do I do? So he signals for, I was going to say he calls, but he, he gathers up other town folk and the search is broken out. And they find by the road leading to the church, gunpowder's saddle trampled in the dirt with hoof prints dented in the road. So it was basically like flattened out mm-hmm. by horse hooves. And by the bridge, they found Ichabod's hat and a shattered pumpkin. So it may not have been the head he had mistaken, but it was actually a pumpkin on mm-hmm. the saddle. So he threw 
a pumpkin. Possibly. Okay, I see. It was Ichabod's hat and a shattered pumpkin. And that's all they found of Ichabod. The men of the village searched everywhere. They even searched the waters by the bridge, but Ichabod's body was never found. Some say that he ran away that night and completely heartbroken and didn't want to face the town anymore. Since he was single and had no family, Van Ripper kept his possessions, which was just a couple of shirts, a few different pairs of trousers, a pair of corduroy, a pair of, you know, regular uh, trousers, <clears throat> a rusty razor, the book on witchcraft, and then a different book on dreams and fortune telling. Katrina and Brom went on to get married, and some people suspect that it was actually Brom who disguised himself as the writer and threw a pumpkin at Ichabod. Oh. There are villagers who believed that Bron knew more about the matter than he chose to tell because he seemed to know details or he would laugh whenever people mentioned the pumpkin. Mm. However, the schoolhouse was left and abandoned to decay and they moved the school to a different part of town. I'm not sure if it was because the school children were afraid. Some say that it was actually the horseman that did take Ichabod, but some say that the school is haunted by a ghost of a man who strolls home whistling a church tune as he goes. Ooh. And that is the story of the Headless Horseman. Thank you. I've never heard the whole story. I haven't either. Like, I've only... I mean, I saw the Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow mm-hmm. with um Johnny Depp and Winona Ryder. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was pretty good, but, I mean, it was nothing like that, obviously. But yeah, very we, well told. Thank you. Halloween. Yeah, I wanted to do something fun, but then I was like, wait, it's only spooky season once a year, you know? So yeah. I, I try to keep it on, on brand. But it was, um, like I said, it was the first American, you know, urban legend mm. um, and ghost story. It was inspired by a couple of different European lore. Um, <clears throat> there's an Irish headless horseman there's also a Norse headless horseman. Mm. Won't go into all of that. It'll probably be a follow-up, like a very short intro on mm-hmm. a different thing, but I didn't want this to be too long. But I I did read like the full book. You can get it, read it online. You know, it's, it's old text, so a lot of it is like, what? <laughs> so yeah, no, it was, um, a lot of that was just a uh, directly from Washington Irving, but I try to make it modern, so I did my best. Thank you. And I hope you enjoyed. I did. It's very spooky. Very spooky. I love it. Spooky ooky. So the thing about that is, I mean, obviously, America's history is very not old. What made people pick up on this story so much was because it had the lore of, you know, passed on mythology from Europe and really dated back but you know sleepy hollow in tarrytown where tarrytown was an actual place in new york oh wow and it was based on like history like the revolutionary battle and there was actually a soldier who was believed to like have been decapitated by a Mm -hmm. canyon so it like had actual historical elements Mm -hmm. with the lore which like made the perfect story and it was like you know that's that's what made it so popular so Mm -hmm. yeah pretty interesting yeah the best urban legends have some element of truth to them yes which is why it's so like 
well, did it happen? Or I don't know. It's fun. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, it's not real. It's fine. And then you're like up at 2 a.m. and you're like, oh, my God. Like, mm-hmm. what, if it, what if it is real? Right. I don't know. Kind of freaks you out. All right. Tell me. All right. This is not spooky. <laughs> it's okay. We, we said we'd make it fun or whatever. Yeah. It doesn't have to be spooky. Okay. Okay. Maybe next time. No, it's okay. Yeah, well, next time's paranormal, so it'll be spooky. It will, maybe. <laughs> Hopefully. This is a love story. <gasps> Yay. Here are our protagonists. Romeo and Juliet. No. Okay. <laughs> we have a man named Chris Crow. He's in his mid-40s. He's a white man. Kind of, you know, just like your average guy. And his girlfriend, who we'll call W. W. She's a cancer, okay. um, born in July, and they're a unique pair for a few different reasons. They have wildly different careers and communication styles, and although W has had many children, none of them are genetically Chris's. Okay. It would be impossible, actually, because W stands for walnut. Sorry, what? Walnut is a crane, like a bird. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So here's what happened. Please explain. Let me show you a picture first of Walnut and Chris, just to give you an idea of what they look like. Okay. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. Okay. Is he like a zoologist? Yeah. Okay. Is he... Don't tell me he's intimate with a bird. (laughs) Not in the way that you are thinking of. (laughs) You'll see. You'll see. Is this like swan princess, but like modern? (laughs) No. Swan lake or whatever? (laughs) Not quite. Okay. All right. Go on. So as a kid, Chris was always into animals and i talked to birds (laughs) yeah he was like very curious about them and always felt like he was connected to them he would feed the animals in his yard or something and like bring home baby birds that fell out of the nest so i feel like he would be the kid at recess that would be like at a tree like making squirrel noises exactly it's like do you want to play kickball and then he'd be like (laughs) 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 whatever squirrel Squirrel thing. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's what a squirrel sounds like. Um, and I can't make squirrel noises. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I don't even know what they sound like. Anyway, so Chris also learned about bison, but with the whole like humans caused them to almost be extinct in North America, which I'm going to talk about in another episode because mm. I feel very passionately about bison. Yes. Um, but he learned about bison. He was like, oh my god we should be responsible for this yeah and for taking care of animals and we can help bring them back and help conserve nature and stuff and so that is how he got into animal welfare as a job okay cool and he bounced around between different places working with different animals but eventually he got to a place where they were raising whooping cranes. And one interesting thing that I thought... So, one thing to know about cranes, different species of cranes, is that they will imprint on whoever raises them. Like Bella (laughs) Yeah, like Jacob and Renesmee. Exactly. (laughs) So, when he was raising these cranes, he had to make sure that, like, they didn't imprint on him. So, 
that they wouldn't think they were humans or imagine having <laughs> to explain hey walnut we have to you're you're, you're... a bird <gasps> <laughs> something to tell you <laughs> you're actually you're actually a bird no don't don't do this <laughs> not here not now <laughs> So he had to wear a crane costume. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's precious. And figure <laughs> this out. I don't know. I love. I want to be the scientist who like designed the crane costume. No, no trust me. It's like, is this because it's my first day and I'm the intern? No, you have to. You have. It's part of the uniform. <laughs> and he couldn't talk to the cranes. He had to only make crane noises. <laughs> I've waited my whole life for this. He said if they were misbehaving or not paying attention, he'd have to just go put it up, put it Just like that. And I'm sorry, what was the noise? I don't know exactly what it sounded like, but like a put it up, put it And he said that they were like children and they'd turn and, and they'd look at you and they would stop what they were doing, like stop goofing off. And they would listen to the mama. Um, Mama Chris, <laughs> Mama Chris Crow, in the crane costume. So I thought that was really <laughs> cute. <laughs> okay. So then Chris goes to the Smithsonian Conservation Biology Institute in 2004, which is near DC and is associated with the National Zoo. Cool. It's in Front Royal, Virginia. Population 14,440. It's in the Shenandoah Valley. Walnut is actually older. No, she's not older than Chris, but she's older than us. Oh. Uh, like I said, she's a cancer. She hatched July 2nd, 1981. She hatched? Is that also when you hatched? <laughs> um, no, I wasn't born in the 80s. Thank oh, you. you're right. You're right. Sorry. But she hatched. 90s baby. <laughs> she hatched in Wisconsin at the International Crane Foundation. She's Midwestern. Yeah, she's Midwestern, so she's one of us. Oof. <laughs> Her parents were named Mercury and Amazon, and they were obviously cranes. Um, <laughs> they were. But they were wild caught because oh. they were they had been smuggled in China, oh. and so someone intercepted them and brought them. Intercepted. <laughs> yeah, brought them to the U.S., and they were really valuable because... It's an endangered species. It's they're called I, I'm pretty sure they're called white necked cranes. And yeah, they're in danger and so they've been trying to revive the population mm. uh, in captivity in the US, but it gets pretty inbred because oh, they right. only have so many. So these were like new genes. Oh. Like wild wild uh cranes okay that were not involved in the gene pool and so the way walnut was raised was very different from how chris raised the cranes the crane mamas as they were called did not wear a crane costume and they worked really closely with them the humans they took them out for exercise they cleaned their pens fed them everything and they were pretty much volunteers including like really young kids and so they weren't super experienced with raising cranes, so they think that walnut probably imprinted on whoever was uh, raising her because they didn't take precautions. I see. So, like I said, you know, humans can't teach the cranes the certain behaviors that they need to have in the wild, so it's best nowadays, whenever possible, to have them raised by other cranes. I see. 
and it's good if they also fear humans so if they can ever release them because they don't want them to like go towards people or be dependent on them or whatever Mm -hmm, exactly and like i said they'll imprint on humans if they raise them and they'll want to mate with them instead of other cranes okay because imprint it's like a freudian thing like my mama was a human and it's like you know so then they're like i need a partner like just like my parents i see kind of thing okay (laughs) i don't know sure uh freud would be like hmm mm mm-hmm Walnut, tell me about your father. (laughs) Tell me about your mother. (laughs) You told me they were a bird. (laughs) A human. (laughs) I don't know. He would have a heyday with this. He would have a heyday with this. He'd write a whole other book or whatever. He would. (laughs) Like, crayons. They are the future. (laughs) The sexual relationships between cranes and... Mothers. Mama crane. (laughs) Yes. he was so cool okay so chris describes walnut as she behaved like a crane she made crane noises uh you know did all the things that cranes do but she didn't really think she was a crane she related more to humans because she was really in close contact with them got it so she got to the smithsonian Institute in 2004 as well. Okay, sorry. You're being bad. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so intrigued. I'm just like, I'm fascinated. It's <laughs> so cool. I know. Um, so, so she got there in 2004 where Chris was. And she was 23 at that point. Holy shit. Yeah, but at that point, she also hadn't had any chicks. Oh. And rumor had it that she had actually murdered (gasps) two of the male cranes that tried to mate with her. That is scandalous. Yeah. My (laughs) ex-husband just died. I don't know how they got cyanide in his... (laughs) Exactly. She was... Walnut. Cunning. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, they think it's because, like I said, she thought she was a person, and so she didn't want to mate with the cranes, you know? So she killed them. So she killed them okay and she bounced between zoos before she ended up there but never mated with any other cranes and so chris was assigned to take care of walnut okay okay as a little aside so just kidding they're called a white naped crane not okay. a white necked crane and, well a nape is like you know the nape of your neck mm-hmm. it was close you were good same area of the body. same thing so the population of these cranes i think they're native to asia it's very small because humans, as we do, keep growing mm. and we pollute the environment mm. and drain their habitats and stuff like that. So sad. Apparently, one pair of cranes needs several hundred acres of wetland to breed. Wow. They need a lot of space. And so that's really hard to find nowadays yeah. anywhere in the world, which is unfortunate. They also like to spend time in very weird spots, like one of their places where they like to stay during the winter is in the demilitarized zone between north and south korea Hmm. don't know how they picked that spot this is nice but it's just you know not not ideal for them 
There are 15 species of cranes, and 11 are endangered. Oh, my God. That's mm-hmm. not a good stat. And they're also poached sometimes. I'm no. not sure what for, but... And so, yeah, like I said, the white nape cranes are in Asia, and then whooping cranes are also endangered in the U.S. because of the same reasons. Mm. Walnut was at the Smithsonian because, like I said, her genetics were really valuable, and they wanted her to reproduce. And at the Smithsonian, they'll do artificial insemination of cranes. So they thought that might work, so she wouldn't murder anyone else. <laughs> okay, you you gotta stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, you know, special circumstances Do they ever find the bodies? Uh, I think so. But they can oh. never confirm 100% if it was her. But artificial insemination is pretty difficult and really stresses out the birds because they essentially have to like hold them down for a few minutes and inject them with the sperm of a a male crane so they found a male crane that they thought was a match for walnut (laughs) you're gonna go on a blind date (laughs) you're gonna love him his name was ray 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 and of course they didn't want to um like introduce him actually right because also i think ray had a mate already (gasps) scandal yeah okay so they were gonna just artificially inseminate her uh with raids sperm so chris it was his job to help with with this whole thing so the day came and they were doing this and chris and some his helpers uh went into walnut's cage and they successfully artificially inseminated her mm-hmm. if it, chris actually did it he so <laughs> this this sounds really weird like i don't really think it's sexual because it's a bird but it just i don't know i read it and i was like mm. um anyway so how they do it is they kind of like grab her and then you kind of have to like hold her and they have like an organ called a cloaca i'm probably pronouncing that wrong Clo- cloaca okay and Birds use it for a lot of different things, but, like, to poop, but also to reproduce. Okay. So, he had to, like, Chris had to, like, press down her back to mimic, like, a male crane on top of her. And then, apparently, she, like, did not hate this and was, like, purring. (laughs) Oh. And... She was ready. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. This is so weird. Anyway, and then they injected the sperm of Ray. And... It was successful, and then she laid two fertilized eggs. Good for her. So when she did that, Chris took the eggs, and she actually gave them to Ray and his mate Abigail to raise because apparently in the wild, cranes will help each other incubate their eggs. Interesting. um, And Walnut would then have to just do it by herself, and it would be a lot. Was Chris wearing the suit? (laughs) No, because it, at that point it was futile. Like she was already imprinted okay. on, on humans. Oh, okay. So okay, so it's interesting that she gave the eggs to Ray and Abigail. Mm. Did she know? Like, oh no, Chris took the eggs and gave them. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's weird. She like, oh, like, mm-hmm. would you like these eggs? Like, I don't know. Right. I'm pretty sure that um walnut is actually separated from the other cranes because Because she's a murderer (laughs) yeah (laughs) and because she doesn't see herself as a crane so she like doesn't really know how to interact with cranes which is kind of sad yeah it's really sad yeah 
Um, and she's also a murderer. But it's okay. Right. She's had a hard life, I'm she's, sure. She's dealt with a lot. Okay. <laughs> Chris also, like I just mentioned, you know, saw that Walnut did not think of herself as a crane. And she... You're not like the other cranes. <laughs> <laughs> And if she had baby cranes, she might not recognize them as, like, her own babies because they're cranes, even though she's a crane. Well, I've never said cranes so many times. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chris said that when the other cranes would try to get her attention and stuff, she, he said she just gave it them the stink eye. That's hilarious. So, walnut. Walnut. Sassafras mm. up in here. So, at first, Walnut didn't like Chris. And she would, like, uh, be territorial and threat threaten him a lot. You know, I don't know what that looks like, but, you know. Birds are, you know, they'll make their wings. Yeah, and probably flap her wings. Remember and... that swan we saw in Germany that, yeah, like, hissed at swans. us? swans. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But she would, she wasn't afraid of humans, so she wasn't afraid of Chris in particular. So he was taking care of her, and then she got more comfortable with him being around her. And then, after he had known her for a while, Walnut started to begin a mating dance whenever Chris would come around. So, like, what are we? (laughs) (laughs) How do cranes, like, do they just, like, Um, walk around and, like, bob their head? No, it's, like, really elaborate. She would do... Let me find an example. So fascinating. I, yeah, I had no idea. Here we go. So, these are sandhill cranes, not uh, white neighbor cranes, but they're still okay. cranes. That's a crane. A crane's a crane. Oh, wow. That was like a... Oh, my God. That Very talented. <laughs> oh, my God. Look at it. Like, pirouette in the air. <gasps> wow. It does, like, full 360 spins. Yeah, and see how the other one responds. Wow, look at that form. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. So, they have a whole thing. They have a whole thing. They looked like a figure skater, like, yep. Yeah, they're really cool. And they're big, too. It's terrifying. Okay. (laughs) So, Walnut would do the dance. Then he would just dance back. Oh, no. So, (laughs) you're you're giving her mixed signals. (laughs) When she bobbed her head, he would bob his head. He would raise and lower his arms like they were wings. And sometimes she would call out to him like Chris. a mating call Chris. <laughs> and he would try to respond to that um and the article i read described it as a, he would make it sound like a homer simpson like woohoo <laughs> i love it but walnut was kind of like what are you doing <laughs> she was like okay mm, so chris was like okay if walnut thinks I'm her mate, maybe it would be easier to artificially inseminate her okay, and be less stressful for her. So is this but before or after the fact? This was after they did it the first time. So he was, they were like, okay, we got to do it again. Mm-hmm. And he was like, let me do it. Yeah. He's okay. like, maybe it'll just be easier for everyone if she's really comfortable with me and thinks I'm her mate. Okay. So. He's like, I don't want anyone else to do it. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's my girlfriend. And, you know, he didn't want to stress her out or, like, injure her or fair. anything. Fair, fair, fair. So, so he was like, let's, let's just try it. Let's just try it. Can you imagine coming home from work and your, like, your roommate or partner or whatever being like, how was your day? And it's like, 
bird fell in love with me. <laughs> now it thinks it's I'm I'm now it thinks we're, we're mates and uh it's actually kind of complicated. Uh, how's your day? <laughs> you send more emails? Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I have a girlfriend. Um, um, her name's Walnut. Her name's Walnut, and she's a nape crane. Imagine being at a party. And it's like, so are you seeing? Yeah. Um, she's endangered, <laughs> and she's a bird. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Where? Um, it's all complicated. <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing. Okay. <laughs> It's cool. The work he does is cool. I'm just like, yeah, no, no, no. It's really funny. It's really funny. The article also mentioned that actually some other guy had done this before in 1982. A guy named George Archibald had a crane girlfriend named Tex and did the same thing with the artificial insemination. So, Tex. So they knew that it could work. So Chris would observe the other cranes who were bonded pairs and see how they wooed their partner. And he saw that they would bring each other material for the nest, so like sticks and stuff. And so he would like collect sticks and bring them to Walnut. And He's very dedicated to his job. <laughs> yeah, but she was very particular about the kind of sticks. And if she didn't like the sticks, she would throw whoa she is so sassy <laughs> my goodness yeah but he said that when he got it right she was delighted <laughs> <laughs> she's such a high maintenance girlfriend it's like i bring my girlfriend all of these sticks and she she kept throwing them back i'm like what do you want woman I like know. i'm just i'm trying I'm to make so your hard. nest <laughs> I work so hard for everything we have, and you yeah. just don't appreciate it. I know. She, yeah. Mm -mm. Wow. She's a woman who knows what she wants, She I guess. does. She does. She's like, Chris, need I remind you I've murdered two people? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Get me the right sticks. So she was smitten with him, but she wouldn't let him touch her yet. Okay. And he had to do that to artificially inseminate her. Last time, he just kind of had to grab her, and so he wanted her to be more comfortable. And so he would train her to let him touch her and he'd like give her food I or see. like a treat, okay. which was a dead mouse. Sorry. Oh. Which was her favorite. <laughs> um, okay. So he would like pet her and then give her a mouse. And then then she came to like it and she would purr okay. when he pet her. Mm, okay. So one day at, when he was petting her, she put out her wings and made this like motion where... It was basically her inviting him to, like, mate with her. Wow. And he was like, okay. <laughs> um, what do I do? <laughs> and so he kind of wanted to, like, prepare her for the artificial insemination. It wasn't time yet for them to do it. But he would, like, then pet her, um, like, on her legs and stuff to, like, get her used to, like, how it would feel. Sure. <laughs> Sure, 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 sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's okay. weird, but it's fine. It's nature. But it's, it's fine. what he had to do, I guess. It's what he had to do to save the <laughs> the cranes. She she was also kind of high maintenance with this because if she didn't like like the spot where he was like petting her, or, like massaging her, because he would like try to find different spots that she liked, she would like walk away. No, she's like, oh no, no, no. stop doing that. No, no, walk away. Oh my god, she's so petty. Um. <laughs> but eventually they figured it out like and then 
that spring they artificially inseminated her again Great. and but this time she was like really okay with it because it was chris who was doing it and i'm just really she comfortable, felt really comfortable. yeah okay. she trusted him okay good it's it's <laughs> very important to trust and have consent with your partner mm-hmm. mm, weird psa <laughs> never okay okay i'm so sorry <laughs> i'm gonna just mute myself for the rest of the year goodbye uh, we don't promote bestiality on this podcast this is not bestiality. This is research. This is science. But it's the way that the I'm telling the story is like, <laughs> okay. So Walnut had five chicks in total. Wow. Which is great. And eventually Chris would help artificially inseminate other cranes too. Wow. They, they had another one named Amanda that came in and another one named Wu Chang. But they were, be, they were able to have male crane mates. Okay. But but Walnut could not, obviously. Right. Chris's dream is to work with wolves, actually. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, but right now he's he's in it with the cranes because they can live to be over 60 years old. Wow. Yeah. He said, if Walnut's still here when I'm eligible for retirement, I won't be able to leave. I'd feel like a jerk. Oh. Because cranes mate for life and... When they lose a mate, it's really traumatic for them. Mm. And oftentimes when cranes, female cranes, lose a mate, they'll stop eating and they'll, like, cry for weeks. Like, just, like, call out for weeks. That's so sad. so sad. Jeez. Chris said that it's possible if he ever leaves that another man may be able to take his place like a human because apparently she very much prefers men okay. to, to human women. Interesting. It, it's not guaranteed, so. Or can you imagine if he was, like, trying to interview a replacement and he's like, um, listen. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Walnut doesn't need to produce any more offspring. Okay. But Chris continues to do the mating dance with her and will, like, pretend to, like, mate with her like with the artificial insemination whatever like do it like Pleasure not her. real because it's like in her instincts i guess i see okay. um sometimes she wants that i don't know i mean okay <laughs> and so after they do that sometimes she'll lay unfertilized eggs because she thinks that like, oh yeah, interesting she's been mated but they take those and replace them with fake ones because they would just, like, get gross because they're sure. unfertilized. Yeah. And she would just lay more eggs. So um, she sits on the fake eggs for a long time. Chris will let her take a break where he'll go over and he'll stand near the nest and she sees him and then she'll go and take a break. She's Because like, she trusts funny. him Aww. to, like, watch her eggs. That's cute. She'll, like, go take a bath does and she... then she'll come back. <laughs> it's such a long day. Like... I've been pregnant for seven years. <laughs> they haven't hatched yet. Uh, so, like, when are they going to get rid of the fake? Like, when are they going to... Are they not? Like, is it one day the um, eggs just won't be there? Or? I'm not sure, honestly. I assume that after a while they take them away after, like, a normal amount of time when she would be sitting on them. But I really don't know. Interesting. I'm not sure. Chris describes Walnut as normally very happy, very exuberant. She dances a lot calls out a lot she's very curious and alert she knows everything that's going on what's going on with people or looking up in the sky seeing an eagle or a vulture 
and she also likes to just do her thing. She goes in the creek and finds crayfish and worms and mice, and she'll walk right up to people, but she's only friendly to Chris. I see. She'll be mean to everyone else. Okay. She's very particular. I'm sure. Chris said that when he would go on vacation, he would come back and she would act like she didn't know him. (laughs) So dramatic. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Have we met? Oh, my God. You're the man that left me. How dare you? I thought that was so funny. It's so funny. Oh, my God. She's so dramatic. I'm I'm seriously, I cannot believe how dramatic this bird is. (laughs) I know. Um, God, but... she's such a drama queen. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm annoyed, but I'm like impressed. I know. <laughs> Me too. I didn't know cranes were capable of that level. Being so petty. Yeah, they seem really intelligent. <laughs> um, but he says that nowadays she doesn't do that anymore. She's always just happy to see him when he comes back. Oh, that's good. She's so... matured. She's grown. She's like, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. You have to take your PTO. It's okay. <laughs> Don't let them go to waste. Chris says that Walnut has taught him that the ideal partner doesn't exist. You have to accept certain things that people can't change. I mean, she puts up with me even though I can't dance or sing. Okay, Chris. Um, <laughs> but her chicks are doing really well, and a couple of them have had their own chicks. Wow. So She's grandma. Yeah, Chris says, I tell people that Walnut and I are grandparents. When did she have her kids? I think she started at 23 or 24 when she first came. Oh, so like in 2005 or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. So now she's in her 40s probably. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Chris says that he hears, he gets teased about it a lot, obviously. I'm sorry. We Um, spent the whole time teasing it. (laughs) I'm not like teasing him. It's just like. Yeah. It's just a funny situation. Yeah. Like who knew? His favorite joke is what's the difference between erotic and kinky? Erotic, you use a feather. Kinky, you use the whole bird. Oh. Uh, <laughs> okay. The article I read, so a lot of this information, most of it, came from a Washington Post article by Sadie Dingfelder, with other information from a People article by Saren Chorney. But Sadie Dingfelder asked him if he has a significant other and if they're jealous of Walnut. And Chris said, Walnut sets the bar pretty high. I'll never find a woman that's so happy to see me that she just starts dancing. So is that a no? It's probably a no. It was a no a couple of years ago when this article came out. But I thought of this because I saw a TikTok about it recently. Someone revived it and I was like, oh, yeah, I read that Walnut. article. And I was like, oh. So that's the love story of Walnut and Chris Crow. I feel a lot of different, like it's precious. <laughs> it's, I feel like... Like, I read someone's diary. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Like, oh, I'm blushing at certain... I know. It's a bird. It's a very <laughs> smart bird. A very dramatic oh, bird. Oh, walnut. Walnut. Yeah, they have a little video of walnut. That's Chris. And there's walnut. She's an aggressive crane. Yeah. And cranes are pretty big. Yeah. Like, she's she's very big. Yeah. Chris seems like a nice guy. Like, good for him. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's doing what he can to help save the the cranes. Thank well, you. That was a that was welcome. a sweet story. <laughs> uh, little mm-hmm. dinosaurs can feel feel love. Yeah, yeah. Everyone deserves love. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Hope you made it this far. Um. Yeah. Put her.
I did not know birds could purr. Me neither. I learned something new today. Mm, yeah, I don't know what that sounds like, but... Well, thank you for your work, Chris. And yeah, uh, speaking of things, we'd like to thank the artists that have helped us. Music is composed by Colin Whitlish. And music production is by Justin Toom. And cover art is by Erica Chase. Would you please like to tell them where to find us? <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Insomnia Report. And email us at theinsomniareport at gmail.com. Send us your ideas or suggestions for stories we should cover. Send us your own stories that we can read on a listener episode. It'd be neat. Real neat. Neato burrito, as they say. Mm-hmm. Thank you all so, so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Thanks for spending time with us. Join us next week for episode 49. Mm-hmm. Wow for another paranormal tale. As always, stay sleepy and spooky and stay safe. Yes, please. And um, look out for headless horsemen that, mm-hmm. like, are ominous. And, um, yeah, cranes. All cranes. <laughs> Thank you. All right, good night. Good night. <laughs>